We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi there. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. I am joined by my good friend Ryan Boyer. Uh, today's show, we're going to do what we do every Sunday. And I say that. It sounds like I'm getting bored of it, but on the contrary, it's a lot of fun. We're going to talk about our three up and three down from Saturday. We're going to offer you some fab recommendations as well. There's some interesting ones that should be on the waiver wire in your league as you head into this final stretch. But first, let's get into headlines and Ryan, Shohei Otani. Let's talk about Shohei Otani. Yeah, uh, Shohei, by the way. Good to good to be back. I was on a little two week. Yeah, good to have you back. You you seem to have um, added a little furry friend to your to your upper lip since I saw you last. It's not so it's much a, that I added the furry lip. I just got rid of everything else in between it. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's been mm-hmm. there. I just when I when I shave, there. well, I I say shave. I haven't actually shaved in a long time. Like with I with a razor, tell. I just I just use a trimmer. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll often leave just a mustache and check yeah. it out and see if you like just, it. Just for a moment, I'll think yeah. maybe I should leave this, and then I I think better of it. No, not you that, not that you not that you should have done that, but you know, no, of course just not. For you me have a personally. significant other, though. You have a significant <laughs> other that makes those choices. I have nothing. I have nobody. That's... I have nobody in my life to make those choices. For me. <laughs> well, it looks good, buddy. You wear it Thanks. well. Thanks. Uh, so yeah. Back to the lovely segue from facial hair to Shohei Otani. <laughs> um, looks like he's going to skip his next start due to fatigue. Uh, arm fatigue, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, you it's scary to hear the anything involved with the arm. Frankly, he deserves a ton of credit for not being fatigued more often or earlier. <laughs> Sure. He is the biggest, busiest man and the in baseball and the most talented and best and all that. Mm-hmm. So kudos to him for uh, for holding it for this long before he suffers from a bit of fatigue. But, you know, yeah, obviously anything involved with the pitching arm is somewhat worrisome. Um, the Angels, as you would expect, are downplaying it to this point. Um Sounds like he's just going to hopefully skip the one start. Right. Going to continue hitting. Um, but hopefully next week he'll be back on the mound. Kind of kind of if you're in the, a league with uh, where you have to make the decision on whether to start Otani as a hitter or a pitcher, kind of makes the decision for you at least. So you have, right. that, <laughs> you have that taken out of your hands. Um yeah, hopefully it's just a little minor, minor blip. Uh, Griffin Canning was activated from the IL today. Mm. He's going to be available out of the bullpen uh, for the next couple of days. I know the Angels have currently have TBD, very popular TBD uh, <laughs> listed as Wednesday starter in Otani's place. But as long as Canning isn't needed in relief the next couple of days, he'll he'll take that start. Um and Chase Silseth, who we will discuss later in some fab recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think his rotation spot was really in danger anyway. No. But, but this kind of um, 
cements him further. Uh, and Canning, again, should uh, should slide back into the rotation in, in Otani's spot, at least for, for Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. And look, there's certainly some fantasy concern for the remainder of the year. This is just something you're going to have to deal with. You hopefully got enough from Otani pitching-wise this year. You should have because he was outstanding. Um, I, I do worry about um, long-term things. And I do wonder what this is going to do for his free agent market, Ryan. I think that this, you know, you have to keep in mind something like this. So that's why I think he's only going to get $750 million instead of $800 million. That, that's <laughs> That's why I... <laughs> so that's a little that's a little joke but yeah here's hoping we see Otani on the mound a few more times this year but something you definitely have to be prepared for and that's why you should be paying attention to our fab suggestions uh one guy who is returning to the mound Ryan is former Cardinal legend Michael Waka. Michael Waka has been out for a little while uh he has been dealing with some shoulder trouble but he's feeling well enough that he's looks like he's going to make his return on Tuesday for the 15-day injured list now, that's going to be against Baltimore, which can be a pretty tough little thing, unless you're George Kirby, who, by the way, spectacular yesterday on a, a perfect way to honor Felix Hernandez, losing one to nothing. Just a perfect way to honor the greatest Seattle Mariner pitcher of all time, in my humble estimation. We won't talk about – we we had to skip Kirby. Shot at Jamie Moyer. Ouch. Yeah, yeah well, Sh- Jamie Moyer was very good at going six innings and giving up four runs and having uh, a really good <laughs> offense behind him. Jim Moyer actually was a little bit underrated, I think, as a uh, as an actual pitcher. But uh, yeah, Michael Waka. It's worth pointing out Waka was really good results wise prior to the injury. He had an eight and two record, which say what you will about uh, wins and losses. It's nice to have, but he had an ERA below three. wasn't exactly striking out a ton of bats, uh, which is a little bit concerning. That's not really Waka's forte, but he does do a pretty good job of throwing strikes and initiating weak contact. I think if Walk is still available, I'm going to get him. I might have him sit out this one against Baltimore just because that Baltimore lineup is pretty darn tough. But I think Walk is absolutely worth uh, an add because he's definitely going to be a part of that San Diego rotation who is just fighting for their playoffs lives right now. If, if, if this was last year, the Padres are donezo because the wild cards were a lot more difficult of a situation. But because this year is a um, crap factory, they do have a chance to make the postseason despite their struggles for pretty much the majority of the 2023 season. But yeah, Waka is a very flawed pitcher, a better real-life pitcher than a fantasy pitcher, but he's at least worth consideration as a streamer down the stretch, I think. Uh, crap factory. I like that. Thank you. Um, yeah, in addition to um, the matchup against the Orioles, I, I I can't remember how long he went in his last rehab start, but it was five fairly... innings and sixty-seven pitches. Sorry, thanks for okay. reminding me about that. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, I mean, he could theoretically go six, but yeah, yeah. I think it would be a good idea to to probably sit him in this first start. And sure, it's been two years now that he's um, kind of outperformed these peripherals. I mean, that yeah. can be just a continuation of some good luck or mm-hmm. some pitchers do have the capability of just consistently outperforming their peripherals. Um, maybe he's, maybe he's one of these guys. Um, I have my reservations in like 12 or fewer teams probably. Yeah. He's going to continue to be viable. Um, I do think he can be a streamer in that, in that format. Um, but I think he should definitely be at least rostered in in uh, pretty much any league, um, I think the favorable matchups are in favorable matchups. He can definitely be definitely be streamed. Um, another guy who looks like I don't know if he's officially been placed on the injured list to this point, but Jose Abreu is certainly headed there. If he's not already there, right back issue for uh, Mr. Abreu. He was quick to note. Um, I believe the quote was, believe me, this is no excuse for how I've been hitting or or not hitting as it is these last four months. He, d- he did say that it has it first cropped up at the, I can't remember if he said spring training or the beginning of the season. He's kind of done with it off and on. So maybe he's, um, maybe he's downplaying it a little bit um, when it actually has been more of a factor than 
that he's uh, that he's letting on, at least the, the official record state. Um, yeah, he's going to be going on the injured list. Seems like it could be, if not a minimum stay, at least a fairly short stay. Um, but Brayu, obviously, one of the bigger fantasy disappointments this season. Sure. I don't know about you, but I love the landing spot in Houston. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's always dangerous, a little dangerous when a guy, especially who's been with a team for so long, changes teams. You never know how they're going to going to react, but, you know, go into the Crawford boxes and that lineup that would just seemed like a super good fit. Um, hasn't been great. He did have a nice hot stretch there a little while ago, but he's had cooled off since then, since, since going on the IL now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, John Singleton though, kind of opens up a, uh, yeah. You know, reporters, some of the Astros beat writers, Asked Dusty Baker, or at least kind of hinted at, you know, is with John Singleton, who who hit a hit two home runs uh, in one game the other day, his first first home run since t- 2015. Sure, um, I believe I saw that was the longest gap in position player history since Raphael Belliard. Yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> so that's a uh, quite a quite a feat. Yes. Um, <laughs> Raphael Belliard, that was that's wow. a that's a blast from the past right there. Not not known for uh, not known for his pop, Mr. Belliard. <laughs> not so much. Not um, so much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Singleton is, you know, he's he deserves credit for sticking it out. Yeah. Um, for this long, I, a lot of people would have given up, and he was tearing the cover off the ball in the minors. I mean, you would you would hope that a guy who's what. 30, 31, something like that now. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a little older, I'm not sure. Um, playing in, in the PCL is going to uh, going to have no trouble solving that pitching. But you know, he's he draws his walks. He's got he's always had power. I think I mentioned it before and just got sidetracked. Dusty Baker intimated that Jose Abreu would get his job back um, once he's healthy. Sure. I think Singleton can make that a conversation, maybe. Right. Um, but I mean, it's worth at least worth monitoring. Um, if you know we're coming down to mid-August now, um, you can understand why the Astros gave Jose Abreu plenty of rope. He, he's sure. certainly earned that. Um, but you know, come playoff time, come they're in a they're in a dogfight for the AL West title, yep. um, so they can't. You know, there's they're get they're getting healthier outside of uh, outside of the Abreu injury, so they can kind of cover that a little bit if if he's uh, if he's still struggling. But I think it's at least worth monitoring whether Singleton kind of can kind of at least eat away at some of this playing time. Yeah, it'll be an interesting situation. And, and like you said, Abreu did have a nice June. He had a nice start to July, and then things have struggled again. Um, I, I'll tell you this much, Abreu will definitely be a bounce-back candidate for me next year. I don't think he can be this bad again, and you can probably get him for a lot cheaper later in drafts. Um, like situation. Yeah, he will be for sure. Um, wonder if uh, Yanir Diaz will see some more time at first base as well. Something A player that I really actually like quite a bit should just be their starting catcher, in my personal opinion, with all due respect to Martin Maldonado and his leadership it would be nicer to see a very a competent offensive player behind the plate for them but yeah that'll be an interesting one to monitor drew and i by the way talked about this yesterday the the and uh to answer your question yes abreu and actually nick maton both got placed on the injured list um right like right after we put the show sheet together um the Astros get away with not talking about injuries like they're an SEC football coach. Like you just don't know what the heck is going on with these injuries. Like there's for, we write about these Ryan, like every single day, we never really know the amount of times I've had to write unclear, unclear on a Houston Astros injury is absolutely insane because they just don't give you any information whatsoever. And as, you know, as gambling becomes more and more a part of it, I'm wondering 
And of all teams to play fast and loose with the rules with this stuff, the Heat. Are you saying the Astros are bending the rules? Well, it it kind of seems like it, doesn't it? Like they don't give you the Michael Brantley situation. It looked like that guy was coming back yesterday for a long time. And look at how that situation played out. And now this, these things do happen, you know, like injuries, setbacks, final clearances don't happen, but it sure seems to happen with the Houston Astros a lot more than other organizations. Doesn't it? Yeah. Now that you bring it up, um, I hadn't really considered that before, honestly, but now that you bring it up, they're kind of and Dana Brown there. I feel, their new GM, I feel like, mm-hmm. is kind of, um, I guess, I don't know, towed the company line as far as yes. as far as that goes. Yeah, um, just kind of going going along with the flow. Dusty is, I don't remember Dusty really being that cagey with injuries in the past. I think it's um, new. Yeah, maybe it's something in that Houston that Houston water. I don't know. I guess. I guess so. By the way, I was also thinking about this. It is kind of funny that we still kind of talk about Houston like it's a small market team. No, not even kind of a small market team. They play in one of the biggest markets. They spend as much money almost as anybody. We've got to start treating the Astros not like a small market team. This team's kind of a small market team, and they had a bunch of stuff happen yesterday. The Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, first of all, Gabriel Moreno coming off the injured list uh, was dealing with a shoulder injury, but uh, hit 444 in a very small little rehab assignment. Um, Moreno has shown definitely the ability to hit for average. He has not shown the ability to do much else, but he is a young player. He was not long removed from being a top 10, if not higher prospect in all of baseball. And he's going to get a chance to play, Ryan, because Carson Kelly, another former Cardinal legend, is designated for assignment. Kelly really struggled with the bat this year. Uh, I believe he's hitting 217 with not a lot of power. And big surprise, Carson Kelly was not stealing a ton of bases either. Um, he's owed $4.3 million for the remainder of the season. So my guess is he's probably heading back to Reno or electing free agency. It would not be a big shock to me if Carson Kelly said, I don't want to do this. It's going to be something that, uh, because I do believe he will have that option to be able to elect free agency because of his years of service. Uh, not, uh, I, I I think I want Gabriel Moreno on my roster more than I don't. Uh, more of a two-catcher guy type of thing. I don't think I'm starting him over guys like Cal Rowley, who I talked about yesterday has just been unbelievably good with the power when, and it's been nice to see because he's he had he had some issues earlier on in the year but yeah he makes sense as that catcher 17 to 22 something along those lines maybe a little higher maybe a little bit lower certainly like him in dynasty a lot i think he has a chance to be a really good option uh, the other thing that was interesting too is christian robinson was designated for assignment not that long ago, considered one of, if not, no, not the, but one of the best outfield prospects in baseball. Unfortunately, what he's going to be remembered most for, I think, is that because of a mental health issue, dude punched a cop while walking the wrong way down the freeway. And I sounds like he, things are getting but get, have gotten better for him. Um, a lot of us dealt with mental health issues during the pandemic, and Robinson did blame, say that was a really tough thing for him to go through. I can't imagine how hard the pandemic was for people who came from another country and then were isolated. Oh, I can't even fathom how difficult that was. Cause I know how hard it was for me who speaks English. Okay. You guys listen to the podcast, you know, it's not perfect, but I can't imagine how hard it would be to be isolated after leaving your country, completely different weather, completely different surroundings, everything completely different. Um, Robinson was actually hitting okay, but he it was on the 40-man roster because of silly little rules. And I I wouldn't be shocked if someone gave him a chance. Now, you're not talking about him going to come play for the Diamondbacks or play for your new organization right away. I think you're hoping you claim him, and then you can put him through waivers and nobody else will make the claim. That's That's got to be the hope because still a young guy, but hasn't advanced past high A. Um, I know Christian Robinson was a fantasy darling prospect a guy who ranked very high on a lot of lists i was a little lower 
Um, but certainly saw the appeal as a top 100 prospect for sure. But yeah, pretty interesting that Christian Robinson designated for assignment and Buddy Kennedy, by the way, called up not fantasy relevant whatsoever. Yeah, I, I don't know if they, I guess the Diamondbacks probably wouldn't say anything about it, but, or if another outlet might have leaked something. I, I mean, I hope he's doing okay because it, it, the move, kind of didn't really make sense, I didn't think. Like, he's hit pretty well this year. Yeah, he has. Um, I know he's was coming off an injury. I believe he started a rehab assignment. Uh, I can't remember what the injury was he was dealing with was, but he just fairly recently, I think, started a rehab assignment. The DFA just kind of came out of the blue. So mm-hmm. I hope he's, you know, you mentioned the mental health issues he's he dealt with. I hope he's doing, he's doing all right in the, the yeah. Diamondbacks are – not cutting him loose when he's when he's not doing well. Um, yeah. So ho- hopefully that's the case. I do think there's going to be interest in him on waivers, especially from you know the the lower tier national league sure. teams who can afford to just use that forty man roster spot and and be patient with him. But yeah, Carson Kelly came. I mean, I think it was maybe our the last time you and I podcast together. We were talking about how Carson Kelly was. This was before. Gabriel Moreno got hurt. So maybe it was right. a little bit before that. We were talking about how Carson Kelly was actually seeing more time behind the plate than Moreno was. Right. So this kind of comes as a surprise to me. A little bit, yeah. Um, you know, I know he's obviously hasn't can continue to progress with the with the bat as as hoped, and the Diamondbacks maybe they're Maybe they're getting realistic about their playoff chances at this point, and that, that's, that's a factor here. And they just want to give Moreno as many reps as possible. And um, but yeah, it's I, I, Kelly's got at least one more year of control, doesn't he? I, I feel like he's not a free agent after this season. I, I did not double check that before we before we started podcasting, but um, but yeah, because of that salary alone, I would think that he's probably going to clear waivers, but. Everybody's always looking for catching depth, so he'll 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 land on his feet somewhere. But yeah, Moreno back in the fold, as you mentioned, especially for a catcher um, hitting for a fine average. The power hasn't been there. I'm not totally convinced that it will come, but he's completely he's young, and these top prospects with those kind of bat to ball skills and that kind of hit tool, the the power can eventually come. It's a little bit of a different situation when it's a catcher because they have so many other responsibilities and their bodies just get beat up and stuff. By the way, body, you know, getting worn down at catcher, uh, Moreno don't, won't have to worry about that as much as guys because he hasn't had nearly as many reps as a lot of other catchers. So maybe that gives him a little bit of a boost in these final final two months. I do think he's at least worth a flyer as a second catcher in, in fantasy leagues. Totally agree. And by the way, Kelly was eligible for arbitration for the third time this year. So I do believe okay. he will hit free agency next year. And even if he did have another year of arbitration, you're talking about being non-tendered real quick, because sure. I think at this point we are talking about Carson Kelly just being a backup at this point. Uh, that covers most of the big weekend storylines. We're going to do a three up, three down and talk about some waiver targets. But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never really know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the baseball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. Now, the index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable air for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have that highest index of 10 for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Now, right now, you can get access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month, and you can see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. You can go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. All right, let's talk about three up, three down. Ryan, there were some really good pitching performances, but I think we should lead off with the guy who has been kind of a fantasy disappointment this year, um, but was, I mean, as good as anybody in 2022. Sandy Alcantara, welcome back, my friend. Yeah, a complete game against the Yankees for Alcantara. One one run, a season-high 10 strikeouts. First time all season he's reached double digits in strikeouts. I know he's for uh, aces and fantasy aces, especially he doesn't get as many strikeouts generally sure. as these other guys, but still – 10 strikeouts is a big number. A second complete game within his last four starts. He also had an eight shutout inning uh, start during that stretch as well. So maybe he's back. Um, you know, I, I had some doubts that he would at, at least come back to the fantasy ace that he was last year just because, again, the, the strikeouts just – aren't quite to the level as you'd like. Right. And he's because the ball is put in playing more and, you know, teams aren't allowed to shift as much that hurts him a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, the stuff looks great again. Um, I know Angel Hernandez was behind the plate for that, for that start <laughs> yesterday. And he like, as good as Sandy Alcantara's line was, it sh- probably should have been better if mm-hmm. Angel Hernandez wasn't being all Angel Hernandez-y. Give me that um, robot, baby. <laughs> so, yeah, but but super encouraging stuff. Um, I happened to, uh, happened to trade for Mr. Alcantara in, a, in that same keeper league that I mentioned to you uh, off air before our before we started podcasting, uh, traded for him. Actually, had to give up Ellie De La Cruz in that trade. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it was just, it's just a one one keeper. Yeah, we get eight per team, so it's and I had I had plenty of other options. Um, so while it hurt to give up uh, Mr. De La Cruz, I pretty happy with uh, as we go into the fantasy playoffs here soon. It's a head to head league. So uh, having a more a, a more consistent ace, hopefully that will be uh, Sandy Alcantara down the stretch here because he's certainly trending in the right direction. It's good to see. And and look, I think we all kind of expected Alcantara's numbers to drop 
But that's not an insult. It's just really hard to do what he did last year. It is very difficult to be the best pitcher in baseball while not striking out a ton of guys. It takes a lot of luck, and it takes a lot of just incredible consistency of missing or of not necessarily missing bats, but initiating a ton of weight contact and hitting your spots as well as possible. You can still be really good without being as good as Sandy Alcantara was last year. And I still think he's, it's going to be funny because I think he's going to drop in leagues. And I think he's going to be kind of a fantasy steal next year because he's a really good pitcher that you probably have to address strikeouts and go after guys, um, who have a, offer a little more volatility to address it with Alcantara. He's he's kind of a pairing type of pitcher. Pair him, really, with, pair him with fellow disappointment Dylan Cease, and then you got there, a, you got a pretty good uh, combo. Yeah, exactly, especially since I think Cease is going to be pitching for a really good baseball team next year and not the Chicago White Sox. I do think that there will be a trade that happens with that guy. I, it just makes so much sense. They are so far from contention, Ryan, now that they – I think they – it doesn't just – it doesn't add up to me. It doesn't add up. Will um, Will there be another GM to, that's going to be making that trade? Is there? Oh, I think they, so. Uh, yeah. They yeah. have. Um, they're having some other issues as well, in addition to the just the roster. Well, I just got to. I got to tell you, I'm I'm disappointed because I really just wanted to blame all of this on Tony Larusa, but it turns out it was only like a third of his fault. Uh, <laughs> Gavin Williams, who has just been spectacular as of late had another great start unfortunately it comes in a no decision which is uh kind of becoming the theme for gavin williams unfortunately has pitched really well this year but has all of one win on the year but that just tells you how stupid this statistic is five innings one run uh did allow a homer but that is it five hits zero walks 10 strikeouts that makes back-to-back games for Gavin Williams, where he has struck out double digits, 22 strikeouts against one walk over those last two starts. And it's worth pointing out they came against Toronto, whose lineup's a little more flawed than I think we thought, and Tampa Bay, who has some really good baseball players as well, even though they have kind of scuffled since the hottest start of hottest starts. But in the month of August so far, this is three starts, and he has gone 17 innings. He has a 1.59 ERA, and he has a 28 to 5 strikeout to walk ratio i'm a little surprised it's been this good for gavin williams but obviously not surprised that it's been good um one of the best pitching prospects in baseball coming into the year amazing that he fell in the draft where he did he was a guy out of east carolina who i think maybe that hurt him a little bit east carolina you know has produced some decent players but isn't exactly a baseball hotbed um we saw um I just forgot Jeff Hoffman. If you remember Jeff Hoffman, he fell a little bit. Of course, Jeff Hoffman has not had nearly the success of Gavin Williams uh, at the highest level, even though Williams is he's still falling. Unfortunately, he's still falling. Unfortunately, Um, really nice guy though, and a really nice dad who's followed me on Twitter for a very long time. Uh, Right when I was getting famous, uh, uh, Luke Giolito's dad and Jeff Hoffman's dad both followed me right around the exact same time, which is uh, kind of fun. It was. for you guys just listening and not watching, Chris did do the air quotes. I did, did do I did do the air quotes. I thought people yeah. could probably hear the air quotes in that one, but just in case. But no, Gavin Williams looks phenomenal. Um, he's going to be really interesting to see where he goes in redraft leagues next year because I think there'll be somewhat of an inning limit for him next year. Not like a massive one, but maybe a start skipped here, a start skipped there. But his ability to miss bats and as well initiate weak contact and most importantly throw everything for strikes, that makes him an awfully intriguing option for 2024 and 2023 for the remainder of the year too. For sure. And, you know, you mentioned the the bat missing ability. He, prior to these last two starts, he surprisingly was missing very few bats. Like the ERA was good. Mm-hmm. Um but he had not been missing bats, but he has really obviously turned that around these last two starts and showed why he's uh, was viewed as one of the best, if not the best pitching prospects still in the minors when he, right. when he was promoted. Um, and as we've come to uh, come to realize that the Cleveland organization, there's some things could say it about them that are, not great, but what they are very good at is is producing pitching. Uh, yes, 
So I, I like that Gavin Williams. Gavin Williams is in those those hands, and I love him for the rest of the season. As you mentioned, you know, I think the Guardians are probably going to officially fall out of the playoff race at some point. Even that in that, oh yeah, poor excuse for a division. So <laughs> maybe they're going to be maybe they're going to be really cutting back on his yeah. on his innings, his workload down the stretch, but. Real quick on Williams, um, the, the the interesting thing, and that, that is a great point that you brought up about uh, that he wasn't missing a ton of bats. But if you take a look at the Zavant page, it tells you that he was kind of unlucky there because all year he's been well above average in swing and miss stuff. Yeah. He just wasn't really getting him with two strikes, unfortunately. And that that is something that, like, if you're paying attention to uh, fantasy stuff, go take a look at when they're generating these swings and misses because – you know, you usually at your best, you're getting one per at bat or something like that. But if it's the second pitch, it doesn't help you as much. There's a little bit of luck that comes with that stuff to get that in that third spot. It's always something to take a look at. You have to dive a little deeper into it, but uh, definitely take a look through game logs and take a look at stuff like that because it can be a big helper going forward. Very, very great point, my friend. Thank um, you, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I'm not not sure what the workload is going to look like down the stretch once the mm-hmm. Guardians win slash if uh, <laughs> they fall out of the the playoff race. But you yes. know, those uh, those Guardians um, very good at producing pitching, and I, he'll be on a lot of sleeper lists going into next year. I have no doubt about that for sure. Um, this guy way less heralded, certainly as we switch over to the position player side for one of our, one of our three up guys, uh, Kerry Carpenter, a couple more home runs yesterday against the Red Sox. He's got three home runs now in his last two games up to 15 on the year in just 273 plate appearances. That number's down a little bit because he dealt with that shoulder injury for a while and missed some time there. Mm -hmm. Expected slugging, expected Woba all in the 80th percentile and higher this season. Dating back to last year, that's now 21 home runs and 386 career plate appearances. And this was after 2022, he had 36 home runs between AAA and the majors. So, you know, he's not – I mean, he was an 11th-round pick or something, not a a high pedigree guy, but I I think the power is definitely for real. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hits the ball hard, you know. He's not he's not in the greatest of situations, both in terms of ballpark or lineup. Um, but you know, obviously, he's shown when he's been in the lineup, he's going to produce from a power perspective. Um, not always going to play against lefties. That's going to hold him back a little bit. And the fact that again, he's not in a great lineup. The counting stats aren't going to be aren't going to be stellar. Um, he actually runs pretty well and not really a base stealer, but he's right. worked pretty well, pretty well as far as sprint speed goes. I don't know if that's ever going to be part of his game, but, um, you know, from a pure home run perspective, I think he's, he probably should be rostered more than he, than he currently is. Um, obviously Miguel Cabrera is moving on after this season, you know, they've right. been playing Carpenter quite a bit in right field as well. Um, but he'll have that that DH spot if the if the Tigers want to want to hold it down to basically one guy. He could have that all to himself next year. And from a home run perspective, from a power perspective, I think he's a definitely le- a legitimate bat. Yeah, for sure. For uh, our forty percent friend, sixty percent nemesis, uh, Drew Silva brought him up as a uh, sleeper for power, and I like it. I like that call a lot. Um, don't love the park but I do like what he's going to be able to provide. I think he's going to get better. He's one him and Riley green are kind of like in a disappointing ish season for Detroit. I don't know how disappointing it is. I mean, I think they've played better. They've probably been right around the same thing, but they're not very good. They, they certainly are fortunate to be playing in the division they are in. That is for sure. But I like Carpenter and I think Carpenter is a really intriguing play in the long term as well. All right, let's get into our three down. Taiwan Walker and now Walker's start was if you just take a look five innings three runs not too bad walked six and it's just been announced fairly recently 
that Walker's start is next start is going to be skipped. It sounds like he's dealing with some arm fatigue. Walker has posted a 13 and four record. Again, say what you will about wins and losses. It's been a massive help for fantasy players among the league leaders and wins. If not the league leader and wins probably should check that leaderboard more often than not, but I hate the stat. So I don't look at it very much. Um, but this is really interesting because Walker has provided fantasy managers with those wins, provided the innings, was pretty good in July with a 3.86 ERA. But over his last two starts in August, he's allowed seven runs in 12 innings, and he's walked seven while only striking out four. Now, Walker at one point was a big strikeout guy, a guy that you were really looking forward to. He's just not that pitcher anymore. He's a guy who does not miss a ton of bats, relies more on deception at this point in his career. That makes me feel old as heck, Ryan Boyer, that Taiwan Walker now has gotten old enough that he is more deception than pure stuff. I think he's someone I would consider dropping. It's I'm not in love with that profile. Streamable for sure. Um, and if he does get dropped, I wouldn't blame fantasy managers for running out and going to get him because, look, there's just not a ton available on the waiver wire market. We will offer you some options, but there's only 40 or so games left, Ryan. There, this stretch period is tough, uh, but I do think you can make a, justif- a very justifiable decision to leave Taiwan Walker on the waiver wire if you are so inclined. Yeah, I don't think he's a guy you need to wait around for. Um, I don't know if they're going to, do a phantom IL stint while they're while they're skipping him. That that yes. would allow you to at least use the use the IL spot. Um, as you mentioned, just doesn't miss many bats. I mean, he does. He's been pitching deep into games pretty consistently, and with mm-hmm. that Phillies offense, which you know has been overall, I would say a relative disappointment. Um, but they've been clicking pretty good here lately, and I would like them to to continue that over these, over these final couple months. So, you know, if Walker could continue to pitch deep into games and get that run support, he could still pick up those wins. I mean, it's, you know, as, as fluky as a, of a stat that could be, you know, just those two things alone, pitch deep into games and get a lot of run support behind you. You can get wins, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you that he's not a guy that you uh, necessarily need to be waiting around on when he's, when he's missing uh Missing a start and coming off back-to-back clunkers. Speaking of clunkers, we yeah. have one yesterday from Cole Reagans. Uh, five innings, four runs. Again, like you, as was the case with Walker, that uh, in and of itself, not terrible, but allowed seven hits, walked four batters against the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals grounded into 47 double plays. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Cole Reagans was very lucky to only give up those those four runs. Um, coming into this start yesterday, he had 1.05 ERA in his first three starts with the Royals. Mm-hmm. He had an 11 strikeout game against the Red Sox in his previous outing. He's a guy that came over in the Araldus, Tra- Araldus Chapman trade from the Rangers, former first round pick. He's got an excellent slider. I think his slider's missing bats at like a 50% rate. And that's that does include him being used mostly as a reliever when during his time with the Rangers. Sure. Um, So keep that, keep that in context a little bit, but you know, I, I, he probably falls into the same bucket as Walker in that if you need the roster spot, I think it's fine cutting him loose. He has displayed certainly at this point in their respective careers, more strikeout upside. So, I mean, if you're going to, choose to keep one of those two guys on your roster. I would rather keep keep Reagan's right now. Um, I think he's got a little bit of upside there. Yeah. Uh, coming off a disappointing start, but the Cardinals are pretty good against lefties. Um, we'll give him one uh, kind of blip on the blip on the radar, but he, he certainly showed plenty of potential before that. That was against the Red Sox. I don't know if I mentioned that before that, that yes. uh, 11 strikeout game. So, Pretty tough matchup there that he that he fared well on. So you know, I would like to keep uh, Cole Riggins on my bench still if I could, um, because of that uh, strikeout potential. Sure. Again, not a not a great spot for wins on that Royals team, but he is someone who does who has displayed some some upside for sure before this uh, little bump on the road. 
Yeah, and even even in that um, disappointing start where he just didn't have his best command, you know, allows those 11 base runners, as you mentioned, still strikes out five, and you see the flashes of potential there. Reagans was a guy that I really liked coming out of his draft class. Just never quite, and this is the perfect change of scenery candidate to me, like a guy yeah. who goes into a new spot. I actually think Kansas City is underrated in their pitching development stuff. Like they, they haven't developed a guy into that ace yet, but they're pretty good in developing back-end mid-rotation type of guys. There's a bunch of guys in Kansas City who you can kind of say, well, I kind of like that guy's future. I kind of like that guy's future. Unfortunately, they completely whiffed on the Asalasi pick, and some other picks have not looked so great for them as well. They've got a long way to go before they're competing. There's one guy I want to talk about in a second. I'm so glad. I'll put it. Uh, spoiler it. Ryan put together the fab list for who we're talking about, but I'm very glad he picked this Kansas City Royal for me. But real quick, the final third down. Final third down. You can tell that I'm getting ready for fantasy football, folks. Uh, final three down. The New York Mets, who... Sarah Langs gives us this wonderful stat. This is the third. So they played a doubleheader. They were outscored by 24 runs in that doubleheader. That is the third worst run differential in a doubleheader. The first two games took place in 1894 and 1896. Now, it's a little misleading because, folks, if you had Danny Mendick in your fantasy roster as a pitcher, you were struggled. You you got you saw an eight spot give, given up. Um, hopefully that is not something that actually happened. So it's a little misleading. And let's give credit to the Braves or Atlanta. Excuse me, they are they're the best team in baseball. I don't think it's even close to be honest with you. Like on paper and what they're doing. Uh, by the way, Ryan, maybe we owe Michael Harris a little bit of an apology because <laughs> we were both pretty low on him coming into the year. Not low, but we just saw some flashes, and we looked right for about a month and a half. And since then, Michael Harris has been, like, one of the best players in baseball. Um, Definitely the best number nine hitter in baseball, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I saw um, – you know, I was kind of surprised. You moved up to the eight spot in the lineup yesterday because of some uh, stuff changes. I was like, just leave him in the nine spot. It's a perfect spot for him. It gives him, like – it is the definition of a second leadoff hitter when you have that Ronald Acuna Jr. guy. Who, real quick, another tangent to go on. People are calling this an MVP race between him and Matt Olson. Uh, no, it's not. This is not close. Matt Olson has been phenomenal. He's nowhere even in the vicinity of what Ronald Acuna Jr. has done this year. This dude's going to hit 40 home runs and steal 70 bases. Stop it. Stop trying to make this a race. I know. I like homers. I like RBIs. It's not a race. Ryan, it's you oh, specifically. Oh, you're oh, shaking oh, your head like you're not the one who's doing it. It's you. I still oh, no. Um. But I, I saw Jeff Passan tweet that. Who look Jeff Passan? Great. No, you're wrong. This is not an MVP race. Ronald Acuna Jr. is the clear cut MVP. Long story short, the Mets stink. <laughs> yeah, 365 million doesn't uh, doesn't quite buy you what it what it used to. <laughs> let me let me just real quick to get into that real quick. Please don't use the Mets as a reason for why you don't spend money. The Mets actually might be the perfect example of why you do spend money because, yeah, they still got a solid foundation. The problem was is they didn't keep going. Like, there were clear holes on that roster. One of the holes is don't sign geriatrics to be your leading starting pitchers. You know, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer are both still very good options, but you're going to see older guys not have Ryan. We're their age. We know how hard it is to do things on a consistent basis, right? Like keep going. And here's the best part. If you spend a lot of money, you can trade those high salary players for really good prospect. And the Mets went from having a bottom third system to probably a top 10 system as well. So please do not use the Mets as an excuse to not spend money. But boy, oh boy, are they bad right now. Yeah, and Steve Cohen said himself too, like when they had the reported uh, Carlos Correa deal, he said like we need we need one more bat, and this is this is that bat. And then the deal fell through, and they did not get another bat. It's a great so, point. Like he saw that coming <laughs> and didn't do anything about it. But yeah, I forgot about that. God bless uh, Daniel Vogelbach. He's uh, somehow still had a roster spot um, oh. all season. Um, because of hashtag reasons, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I but yeah, the Mets, the Mets certainly look like a team that's 
very favorable to stream against um, going down the stretch. That I mean, I know that it was a one of the games of a doubleheader, so that needs to be in context. But particularly their game one lineup that didn't have Francisco Lindor. He, he, Francisco Lindor came back from a, a sore side for the second game, by the way. So right. that's at least some good news for them. But that first lineup was just wretched. Uh, yeah. yeah. By the way, Nicky Lopez got the last uh, three outs for them, uh, for the Braves in that in that game, and like so five for six too, right? Uh, that's a, I mean, that's I, I think that doubled his hit total for the season. Yeah. <laughs> and pitched pitch a scoreless inning, so he he could have easily been in our our, our three up section, but. Yeah, let's get into these fab recommendations, yeah. buddy. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, why don't you uh, uh, get us started there? For sure. Mike Talkman, you know, in the year of our Lord, 2023, I did not think we were going to be talking about <laughs> Mike Talkman yeah. being a leadoff hitter for a, um, I'm going to say it out loud this time, unlike Chris before, quote unquote contender. Yeah. Maybe that's not quite fair. Yeah. Because are legitimately in the thick of it. I don't think they're going to be there in the end, but kudos to them for sticking in it for this long. And Mike Talkman has been their leadoff hitter. Yeah. 32 year old, I believe Mike Talkman who went overseas for a while. It's kind of languished in the minors for a couple of years. Last time he did not bat lead off against a right-hander for the, for the Cubs. You have to go back to June 16th. So, I mean, he's been just, the table setter in that lineup, three three seventy four OBP on the season since the All Star break, he's batted three forty one, four eighteen, five seventy six. This is triple slash numbers. Robust, four home runs, two stolen stolen bases as well since the All Star break. He is going to sit against lefties. I mean, Say Suzuki's another uh, kind of a casualty here from the the rise of Mike Talkman. Say Suzuki's only playing against lefties all of a sudden. Right. Um, but Togman is going to sit against lefties. He, I don't think he's – I mentioned June 16th the last time he didn't hit leadoff against the righty. I think it's been roughly the same time since he did start against the lefty. So the accounting stats aren't going to be quite there. But, I mean, he's got some legitimate on-base skills, and the Cubs are not a terrible lineup. So I think he could still score some runs even though he's sitting against lefties. Hits a lot of ground balls. He doesn't have a ton of power. He doesn't have a ton of speed. It's a very limited ceiling here, obviously. Um, but I think if you're looking for runs scored, looking for a decent-ish average maybe, I think he's worth picking up in a deeper format. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Drew and I, when we did our category sleepers, he was my pick for runs scored I, because he's hitting at the top of the lineup because he has a chance to get driven in by – we have not talked about nearly enough how good Cody Bellinger has been, by the way, in 2023. And boy, oh boy, is he going to get the bag this offseason. And good for him. Good for him to turn this around. You know, the hard hit rate is not great, but he can definitely drive the baseball and he's a good defensive player. Cody Bellinger, you are going to get paid. But yeah, the fact that Mike Talkman has a chance to be driven in by those guys hitting every day. And he's going to play a lot because he's a really good defensive player. Like, all he has to do is be okay offensively for him to be in the lineup. And here's the thing. If he does struggle a little bit, maybe you move down in the lineup a little bit. But down isn't so bad for the run scoring thing because top of the lineup is going to get a chance to drive him in. And you're still getting those opportunities to be driven in just to fewer plate appearances when you're hitting later. But, yeah, I like that call. An awful lot. Um, yeah, I'm gonna poor, be a- poor, poor Alec, just quickly to interject. Poor Alec no. Burleson, by the way, you mentioned uh, mentioned Talkman's glove. Did you see that? that oh, yeah. From a few weeks ago, the, the game sure. ending. Yeah. Home run saving uh, catch from Talkman would have been a walk-off homer for Alec Burleson, but yeah, was not to be. But it's too bad sorry. because – no, that's okay. It's too bad because with that, the, the Cardinals would have been 23 games out of first place. Oh, instead. here we go. I'm so sorry. Um, boy, what a disappointing year. Uh, thank goodness Adam Wainwright pitched on Friday instead of Saturday because that would have that would have absolutely been the lead for three up and three down. Drew and I talked about that. Uh, I wouldn't let Adam Wainwright throw another pitch. He's kind of earned the right both financially and the fact that he's been 
one of the probably 10 greatest St. Louis Cardinals starting pitchers of all time, somewhere along that line. I would have to look into it. I'm only saying 10 to be safe because you guys have been in existence since 1656 or whatever, but absolutely great career. Absolutely has no business pitching major league baseball games. I really look forward to hearing Adam Wainwright in broadcast booths. Um, He's phenomenal. I think he's going to be a star in that mind. Of course, everybody who I think is going to be good at it and, and starts to look good at it ends up annoying the heck out of me. Like Alex Rodriguez yeah. looked like he was going to be the broadcasting. He was so good. And then all of a sudden, oh, never mind. John Smoltz predicts pitching, as, talks about it so well. This is, oh, he hates baseball. This is not going to go very well. John Gruden, who I think everybody was in love with when he first started being an announcer. Quickly, quickly, quickly. This it, maybe we're just mean. Maybe we're just not nice people, and we uh, don't. Uh, but yeah, let's go from announcer talk to Emerson Hancock because why not? Emerson Hancock is now officially a member of the Seattle Mariner rotation. You talked about um, faux injuries. I think that's kind of what we're having happen with Brian Wu here. Uh, was placed on the injured list with some. Uh, I don't even know what remember what injury they made up, but it's absolutely nonsense. Brian Wu has reached his innings limit, and they're definitely trying to manage things. But Hancock made his first start, gave up one run in five innings, walked three, struck out three. This was the sixth pick of the 2020 draft. It's worth pointing out that if that draft would have been held in February of that summer instead of June of that summer, Emerson Hancock is probably the first overall pick. His minor league numbers have just been okay, not great. But over his last 10 starts, he had a 2.97 ERA with a 57 to 12 strikeout to walk ratio. I think he's more interesting. Now, it is uh, also worth pointing out, we just talked about that Kansas City is not very good. That's who his next start is against. I think that's a pretty favorable streaming option. Uh, and also, Seattle's schedule gets real. It's been pretty tough lately. It gets real weak now. There's going to be a lot of games against the Royals, the White Sox, the Athletics, not exactly the most dominant of offensive lineups, and he will get a chance to pitch against those teams. I'm not going crazy. I'm not spending half of my fab budget or anything like that, but 1% to 2%, maybe even up to 4 to 5%, just because he does have a solidified role in this rotation right now. Mariners aren't going to be able to skip him very often. Makes him worthy of a roster spot. Yeah, I think he's definitely worthy of a roster spot, and as you mentioned that, favorable matchup I would I would be fine with plugging him in he had lots of ups and downs I would say this year at AAA like if you look at his game log he had like he would go three starts where he looked really great and then he would get yeah. seven runs and then yeah. go four starts look great he gave up nine runs and mm-hmm. there were some major bumps in the road I think ultimately he probably doesn't have the ceiling is what the Mariners maybe thought he did when he was picked, but he's, he's, he's still a good pitching prospect nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And in favorable matchups, I'm definitely down for streaming him. Another AL West pitcher. We mentioned him a little bit earlier when we were talking about Shohei's uh, arm fatigue. Chase Silseth going to stick around in that rotation. Last start against your Mariners. Seven innings, two runs, 12 strikeouts. Yeah, it was really impressive. 21 whiffs in that start. I believe he threw 100 pitches right on the right on the dots. Over his last three starts at 2.04 ERA, 26 to three strikeout to walk rate in 17 and two thirds innings. Tweaked his slider. Um, I believe he's backed off the velocity a little bit. Uh, does that make it the sweeper? Uh, maybe I don't. I don't know if it, what it's categorized as. Sure. Um, but he's tweaked the slider a little bit. Backed off the velocity throwing more splitters as well. I think particularly in the last game, he threw a lot of, a lot of splitters. Great minor league numbers. I mean, he's a guy that didn't, I think he was a late ish round pick, maybe a mid round pick, Um, but he's consistently put up great numbers in the minors. Real big test on Sunday. I, I think if he does well at Houston in this start Sunday, that's going to bode pretty well for him down the stretch is remaining a viable fantasy option. Um, on the flip side, I think it I wouldn't totally kick him to the curb if he doesn't fare well in this very tough, tough matchup. Sure. Um, I think at the very least he's worth stashing on your bench 
Um, if you could bench him against for this start against the Astros, maybe you might want to do that. But right. I think Silseth is definitely worth rostering in pretty much any format right now um, just to see what maybe he has for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, effort he had against my Seattle Mariners was really impressive. They, He and Bryce Miller became the first two rookie starters to both strike out 10, according to our good buddy Sarah Langs for the first time in a very long time. And by the way, those two rookie starters, that was a 24-inning complete game for both. So it's a little bit different. That tells you just how good both those guys are and also that both those lineups have a ton of swing and miss in them as well. But really yeah. impressed with what I've seen. Still, Seth was a very quick riser, just a 2021 draft pick who made his debut last year, kind of a little bit out of nowhere. Not, not a lot of people talking about Silseth. Uh wasn't great in those outings with the Angels last year. Has had some ups and downs with the Angels, I think, this year as well. But I'd rather have him than not. I'm I'm okay spending some fab budget here and seeing if this is legitimate, knowing that there's just not a lot of baseball left. And I can't, like, when my imminent arrivals uh, article goes up, there's not going to be very many pitchers on that, Ryan. There just aren't a whole heck of a lot of guys right now. Ben Brown's a little interesting for the Cubs. Maybe consider a late stash there. Um AJ Smith Shaver, when he gets the opportunity, I'm still intrigued by here, even though he hasn't exactly missed bats. I still have a lot of faith in him, more of a long-term play, but there's just not a lot of starting pitching options, which is why I think Hancock and Silseth both are worth at least a portion of your fab budget. Ryan, we have talked about MJ Melendez quite a bit on this podcast, and we have been waiting and waiting and waiting for something good to happen. It kind of looked like it was going to be in July, and then he hit... 241, 290, 402. That's not abhorrent, but it's not what we're signing up for, right? August has been a different story for him. Uh, after going one for two in the game against the Cardinals yesterday in the month of August, and it's only 41 at bats, but still 293, 370, 659, four homers, has also stolen a base, five walks to 10 strikeouts. Look, Melendez is among the most talented young outfielders i guess you have to call him now uh it was a catcher for a while by the way did look it up mj his first name is merville merville is not exactly the name that i was expecting to see there but it is a terrific name good for him i think i'd go by merville I, I, just as a guy like we have boring names right like ryan and chris they're not exactly the most exciting i think it'd be fun to be merville um you know it's easier to say from the other side, but uh, I do think MJ Melendez is absolutely worth a roster addition. Somebody I'm going to target heavy in drafts next year, because I do think there is outside of Bobby Wood Jr. I think he has the most upside. And of course, our good buddy, Vinny Pasquantino, he's also going to be interesting to me next year as well. But yes, exactly. Ryan is doing the I don't know what you really call that. This, this, we'll just call it. We'll call it the stereotype. Is what it's like it. a yeah, stereotype. It's like <laughs> yeah. a kiss, but it doesn't go up to your. Yes, that, 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 exactly. But yeah, you know I like emoji. <laughs> I do like Melendez an awful lot for next year, but I think he's worth a roster addition right now because good on base percentage, chance to hit for some power. Royals are playing better right now, so the RBI chances should be a little bit better. Bobby Witt Jr., who has just been spectacular as of late, and that's been great to see. Yeah, there's a lot to like about Melendez to finish out the year. Yeah, I mean, he's – you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but he's like he's crushed the ball all yeah. year. Like, yeah. we, we just keep waiting for the, the actual stats to match up to the just – huge exit velocity numbers and yeah. they they're finally coming around I, I looked it up while you were talking about him his, his number of games caught he's caught 10 games this season oh so could be a little bit of a push if he gets to 20 to retain that catcher eligibility for next year that is definitely something to keep an eye on because i'm i'm with you he's there's lots of swinging and missing this game but the power is absolutely legitimate and you know, I, I think it's a good – he's a very good buy low in a dynasty. But, you know, he's definitely more interesting as a catcher than he is an outfielder. We'll That's fair. That. That's but fair. still, I think he would still, even if he's only outfield eligible next year, especially would, would be viable in five outfielder leagues because still very young. The power is absolutely legitimate, and he's finally, finally starting to see some of those numbers pick up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, speaking of catchers, 
if you're desperate, Freddie Fermin, go take a look, man. He has been right. really good this uh, this season, and it's not that small of a sample size anymore. I'm very skeptical about how real all of this is. There's a reason Freddie Fermin was not on exactly a lot of prospect lists, but it's desperation times, man. I can't imagine that there's a better second catcher who has put up the results that he has so far. Some pretty decent numbers in the minors the last couple of years. Yes, he did. He has, yes. he has like 28, yeah. um, and like you mentioned, never was really a prospect. But yeah, know, it's that time of the year, as you mentioned. He's uh, you gotta you can't be waiting for your your guys that you believe in still to turn around if they haven't haven't done it at this point. Uh, roll with the hot hand, and Mr. Fermin is uh, definitely one of those. Yerman Mercedes walked so that Freddie Fermin could run. There we go. That's that very kind of similar offensive profiles, except I don't think Yerman Mercedes actually ever drew a walk. Um, real quick, uh, we're going to issue a correction. I meant to mention earlier, Ryan, Merson Hancock was in double A. He wasn't in triple A. Come uh, on, man. Come on. We regret the air. Uh, we'll be issuing refunds at the end of the podcast. Ryan will cra- create an apology. And Nick Castellanos will somehow hit a home run while Ryan is looking for his apology. That's going to do it for us. Thanks so much for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. You can follow me on that website at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. You can follow Ryan at Ryan P. Boyer. We'd really appreciate some five-star love. We'd appreciate rating the show. Please hit subscribe. And it's a really good idea to subscribe because down this home stretch, as it's been all year, there are new episodes every single day of the week have a great week guys go win your fantasy and um if you're looking for a fantasy sleeper um rishi rice talk soon